Yo, Hollywood. What's up? We're off to the witch. We may never, 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 never come home, but the magic that we feel is worth a lifetime, or at least until someone creates a hologram of me singing to about 350 people. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Is that how many people were there? <laughs> so, so let me clue the listeners in on what we're, uh, what we're talking about here. Last night I had the opportunity to see the Dio hologram. Dio Returns, I guess, is the official title of this working tour. So not a lot of people, not very well sold, about 350. And there was even less than that, maybe 100 people for love-hate. Uh, 150 people for Love Hate. And I thought Love Hate was great. I really thought Jizzy sounded great. They did a lot off the first two records. I don't think they did anything off of uh, his solo project, but the band literally had a sliver of stage to stand on. They were in a single file line across the front of the stage because there was no more room for them to go. That has hints of Momstein on it, but I'm assuming this isn't because of a person. <laughs> no, it's because this Dio production is the real deal. Let me just tell you, man, they have a shit ton of stuff crammed into this essentially a thousand seat little place that we uh, saw it at. It's a pretty decent sized stage for this small venue, but they had one semi and two tour buses. So I can tell you for free that this is not a cheap venture in any way, shape, or form, and there is no way in hell they are recouping their money because I think this was the third show on this little run of dates. I don't, I don't know how many dates they're doing. I think they're doing somewhere around 20 dates or something. They already canceled one show. And they already had Groupon tickets for 19 bucks for an upcoming show. And it started at like, what, 30 40 and 50 or something like that, right? Listen, the concert price, I think, was 100% more than fair. I think it was 40 45 and 50 were the three tiers of uh, prices, at least for our venue in Atlanta. You know, I'll go through my thoughts on the whole thing and discuss that, but I'll just go ahead and tell you up front that at 50 bucks a ticket, 
I would have totally felt fine with that for what I saw at this thing. And it really, to be honest, had little to do with the hologram. (laughs) I mean, the hologram was kind of like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But it was more about the music, the set list, and the band more than anything else. Uh, Well, uh, the music, the set list, the band, and the video. There's some cool-ass video screens and some cool effects. So here's the deal. They did about 14 or 15 songs. Love, Hate opened up. Everything ran on time. Eight o'clock show. Jizzy Pearl played for about 40 minutes. Played mostly stuff off the first two records. Opened up with uh, Yucca Man from uh, Wasted in America. I think he finished up with Blackout in the Red Room, if I remember correctly. Got pretty good response. I thought he sounded great. I thought he sounds like Jizzy Sounds, you know? Yeah, I'm not being much of a love-hate guy. I probably haven't given it much of a chance. I probably need to give it another chance. But there's a lot of people excited that love-hates out there, and I'm surprised, so I might have missed something. Yeah, I mean, I would encourage you to start with Blackout in the Red Room. I think, to me, that's by far their best record. I know quite a few people that liked Waste It in America, And to be honest, it didn't connect with me at first. I was vastly disappointed in that record. I think now I need to kind of go back and revisit that record again because some of the stuff I heard last night I really enjoyed. So I think it's just a matter of revisiting that record. But I still would say check out Blackout in the Red Room, see if you like it. Yeah, I'll check that out. Now, one of the things that I heard some other people talking about on the DOPs And remember on the Monsters of Rock Cruise, I was kind of saying this is if you're too close, like it was a little fuzzy at Monsters of Rock to my ears, but like back middle felt perfect to my ears. Well, I heard something similar about like the hologram wasn't too clear up close, but then as you move back, it was more clear. Is that accurate? Well, I'll give you my take. So we sat dead center right behind the sound and lighting board. I mean, right. we were practically on top of the sound and lighting board. And this uh, venue that it played at is a completely round venue. So it's a completely circular venue with seats that go from the floor up to the ceiling, kind of like an old auditorium, but it's very small. It's a thousand people and that's standing room on the floor. It was cut in half because they don't want people sitting on the sides or at funny angles because then it's pointless. Uh, And the reason that is, is because they basically had a complete subfloor built on top of the stage. So the band is kind of perched on a second level. And on this second level, they have essentially a box in the middle and the box has this thing in front of it and then you can get to the box from each side, but you can't really see in it. I'm assuming this is where all the mirrors and and stuff go. Dio was contained to this box. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he's not moving front, back or side to side? Not really. He's sort of swooshing side to side. (laughs) So... So uh, this is going to be difficult to explain in some places, but I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, and I posted out on the Grown Up Rock Facebook page, there's almost an entire 
video of Last in Line uh, where he performs it, but you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. One of the cool things is they kind of swoosh Dio in, so he sort of becomes like dust in the wind, and he forms and sings and then turns to dust and blows away. And, <laughs> and it's pretty cool looking, really. The first time it happened, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But to me, my first impression was it looked like a really good CGI, like from a video game, like from a Call of Duty. It looked like Dio. The character looked like Dio, moved somewhat like Dio, but his face was very CGI, just like you were watching a trailer for Call of Duty movie or something. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then sometimes what I was worried about is, is it looping? Like if he's throwing up the devil horns, is that happening like every 3.2 minutes or well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, but no, I didn't I didn't study it that close and I don't that never came across. The vocals that they took are pristine and they are live vocals meaning that it's not like they're just playing the studio track of Heaven and Hell. They're playing the Dio singing live at some concert, Heaven and Hell. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. He sounded great, you know, they did whatever they needed to do to clean up the vocal track from whatever concert they took it from. And maybe they took it from a bunch of concerts, but that sounded awesome. Tim Ripper Owens and Oni Logan, they come out and do songs separately and they come out and do songs together. And then they come out and do a couple of things with Dio. So, for anybody out there that's like, I'm not going to this thing. It's sacrilegious. It's stupid. It's recorded. It's You couldn't be further from the, the truth. For 50 bucks, you're getting a night of live rock and roll entertainment with kick-ass video, some cool special effects, and just a great-sounding band. And you're getting a pretty cool set list. It's less about Dio music and more about Dio's career. And here's what I mean by that. So they cover Dio, Black Sabbath, and Rainbow, and they cover them pretty good. Dio always did a little bit of Rainbow and a little bit of Black Sabbath in his set. But in this set, it's almost split three ways. So here's the set list. They open up with King of Rock and Roll. The Dio hologram appears in the very first song, and Dio sings King of Rock and Roll. And so that's what they open up with. They go straight in to Mob Rules, and I think Ripper comes out and does Mob Rules. Then they do Children of the Sea, so you get two kick-ass Black Sabbath tunes right there. Mob Rules, Children of the Sea. Then they go into Last in Line, kind of the last in line slash Holy Diver medley that they do. They do kind of a mashup of last in line and Holy Diver. Then they go into stand up and shout. Then they go into don't talk to strangers. Then they go into this ridiculous epic of Egypt. That's like 10 fucking minutes long. <laughs> and this was one song that, for me, they could have taken out of the set. I would have rather heard two other Dio songs or something like that, like 
Egypt is okay, but it's a really long song, and it's not one of my more favorite Dio songs. But then they go into Gates of Babylon, which is a, a pretty cool rainbow song. That's sort of a, I would consider that sort of a deep cut, Gates of Babylon. Then they go into Invisible. Then they go into Stargazer. Then they do Heaven and Hell with Man on the Silver Mountain. Then they do Rainbow in the Dark. And then they finish up with We Rock. And the encore is Neon Nights. So pretty evenly matched set list, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and there's some deep cuts in there, I guess. They're smart enough to figure out that you're getting the diehards here. These aren't, you know, fair weather fans. So you might as well give them the stuff that people want to hear kind of thing. Yeah. And Dio's there probably, I don't know, 30% of the set, maybe. He does King of Rock and Roll. He does Last in Line, Heaven and Hell, Man on the Silver Mountain, Rainbow in the Dark, We Rock and Neon Nights. And, and some of those songs also contain Oni and Ripper. There's one part, and I don't, you'll have to pardon me, but I don't remember every last detail, but there's one part where Oni takes a verse, Tim takes a verse, Dio takes a verse, and they switch off like that. And when they do that, Dio will sing his verse, and then he'll point to like whoever's got the next verse to one side of the stage or the other, which is super cool. Although... On this particular song, freaking Oni. Oni, Oni pisses me off sometimes. Oni, I love you, but let me just say this. There's been a few times that I've seen you where you aren't necessarily paying attention to what you should be. I've seen you with Lynch Mob and you messed up the words to some docking songs that you didn't seem to care about. And then last night, you're having a conversation with Simon Wright while the song is going on and you're not singing and Dio points to you and you're about freaking a verse late coming in and singing your verse. What the hell? <laughs> I've had the same experiences. I love Oni too, but I remember seeing them at Ace of Spades, I think, or maybe it was the boardwalk and they're doing a docking song and he's down looking at the lyrics. I'm like, God, Oni, you've been doing this song for 15 years now. Come on. There were lyrics for both Tim and uh, Oni up there on the stage because there were several times where I saw both Tim and Oni look down. So I know that they're reading lyrics, but, you know, that's fine. Tim was great. Ripper was great. He sounded fantastic. And that's the first time I've ever seen him do anything. But I, I enjoyed his performance quite a bit. And Oni sounded fine. There was nothing wrong with Oni's performance except that you know, just once in a while, it's like, okay, dude, pay attention to what the fuck is going on on stage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, having a limited amount of space on stage, that must've been tough for Oni because he's, uh, he likes moving around. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had enough room to go back and forth, but if any of the other band members were down off that second level and sharing the front of the stage, it was a little tight down there on the front because there wasn't much room. But, dude, the video was spectacular. There were some cool-ass videos going on, that thing. And it looked super cool the way they had it divided up because they had different screens all in all kinds of places. So I thought it looked amazing. I thought it sounded great. The Dio hologram, like I said, it was cool. But if it was only the Dio hologram I was paying to see, then I would not have enjoyed that. But I enjoyed it as kind of 
I'll call it the cherry on top of everything else that was going on. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I would encourage people. It pisses me off to no end that people will get on their proverbial heavy metal high horse, stick their nose up in the air and bitch and moan about this stuff and then complain why they don't have any anything to do or any good shows to go to or any of that shit or why isn't rock and roll selling well get off your ass spend 45 bucks go down there and enjoy a night of live rock and roll i mean except for the only time when dio sings his tracks everything else is live 100 percent. tim and oni and uh, the rest of the band, I mean, listen, well worth it. And the video presentation and the production was amazing. I thought it looked and sounded great. Again, I can't tell people to get off your ass and, and go see this thing. And they wouldn't listen to me anyway. But I went and saw it, and I enjoyed it 100%, no doubt. Well, that's cool. All right, so let me tell you about a concert experience I had. Yeah, please do. Anytime somebody I might enjoy seeing live is either coming to Wisconsin or coming to the San Francisco Bay Area, I put it on my calendar. Because I never know, like, do I got to work dinner? Am I going to be in town? Am I traveling? Like, you know, you just never know, right? So print the calendar for the following day and notice that Paul Gilbert is going to be at the local casino in Milwaukee. And I'm like, oh, he's going to be here tomorrow. I'm in town tomorrow. Maybe I should just get a ticket, right? So I go check. There's plenty of single tickets kind of left, and you could get tickets all the way in the back of this theater that I had never been to in the casino. So I grab a ticket and go to the show. He's the only one playing. He's got a bass player, a keyboardist, and a drummer, right? So he's got four guys. He's sharing the stage. He introduced them. He allowed them to do solos. (laughs) Like, this is not Momstein here. We're talking shared stage, okay? The one thing I was worried about with Paul is I have seen him do some songs where he sings, and I think he sings great. But then I have seen him and heard about some shows that he does only instrumental. And I'm like, man, I hope the whole thing's not instrumental because I got a tough time with that. Like I had a, I saw Steve Vibe live once too, and you know it was very limited vocals. And I'm like, I like it, but man, I got to have some vocals, right? All instrumental. He didn't sing anything. And I don't know how but he kept my interest anyway. Each song was probably five to six minutes. He was telling stories. He was plugged in, no acoustic. He was ripping on that damn guitar. Like, I, it's amazing the things he does with the guitar. Like, it, it is damn near amazing. 95% men in the crowd. And then he, he was doing something I've never seen a guitar player quite do it in this way. I've seen people play a slide before, but on his signature guitar, he's got like this little slide holder that must be magnetic. So what he was doing is when he's ready to play the slide, and I'll tell you why he was playing the slide, he would go grab it with his finger and then play it. But then when he was done with the slide, he was almost throw it and the magnet would like catch it on his guitar, which was really cool. Just kind of a weird thing. You know how kind of we were talking about with Menachetti, like there's things he's doing with the guitar that are kind of nonchalant. And sometimes I'm like, wait a second, what's he doing? Is anybody noticing this? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So what he decided to do was he's not comfortable singing lead. You know, he is uh, himself said, Eric Martin's a great singer. I don't want to be singing Eric Martin songs. I can't sing them like Eric Martin. 
Jeff Martin's a great singer. I can't be singing Racer X songs. Like he just, that's just who he is. So what he's decided to do is play the vocal melody on his guitar with the slide. So he was doing vocal melodies, but he just wasn't singing. So was he doing a career retrospective or strictly solo shit? What? Yeah. Part solo, part Mr. Big, a little bit of Racer X, some covers. Okay. Right. And he's just doing the vocal melody with his slide guitar. And I'm like, somehow it kept me interested enough. He did like gonna fly now with the, with that whole deal, which was, it was great. It did green tinted sixties mind that way, uh, which was great. And like I said, telling stories and just kind of a goofball, like it really just comes off as this super nice guy uh, down to earth, you know, willing to laugh at himself, crazy faces as he's playing. And then he made fun of the faces he was playing. Right. So he would like have this eyebrow up when he's playing a major scale, but he's playing a minor note. His voice gets lower and he gets a frown, you know, just kind of those goofy things. Yeah. That um, it's a honestly a little ridiculous, but it was fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and it was. And icing on the cake, Jeff Martin, because there was somebody sitting in the front row, and I'm like, man, I know that guy. And it was Jeff Martin. So he pulls him on stage, and I figured they're going to do a Racer X song. Like people in the crowd, and there's probably this place I would say seats a thousand. I'm saying I'm going to ballpark it at 600 to 650 people on a weeknight. At a casino. That's pretty good. To see an instrumental guy. Like if you ask on the street who Paul Gilbert is, nobody knows. You know what I mean? So Martin gets up there. Everybody's yelling, racer S, (laughs) they did heading out to the highway. I don't know why, but that was the only vocal song that uh, was sung and Jeff sang it. He played an hour 45. Oh, the other thing he was doing is he was kind of like this when he was telling the stories. He was explaining the songwriting and where he got the song. And, you know, I, I came up with this little lick and then he would play the lick. And he goes, I was on the airplane. I came up with this melody. And then he would play the melody, you know, that kind of thing. And then he'd be calling out keys. Like they're in the middle of a song, be flat. And then the, you know, somehow the music changes, I guess. I'm not good enough to know when you're in B flat and when you're in F sharp. I don't know. I, I can't tell. All I know is he's yelling them out and they're changing things, right? Yeah. So they're obviously good musicians. 15 bucks. Nice, man. Score. $15. Yeah, I'd have paid that for sure. And parking at the casino is free. That's awesome, man. <laughs> is that crazy? I love it. Did you line him up to come on the show? I, I'm going to try. I, I, I sent him something. We'll see if he answers, but I sent him something on Facebook. All right, cool. That's awesome, man. It sounds like uh, we both had good experiences then. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I would say if Paul Gilbert's coming to your town, you want to go check it out. Just go check it out. It'll be worth it. For sure. All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, tonight's episode before we get too deep into it. Tonight's episode is affectionately entitled Back to Back Awesomeness. You want to explain to the listeners what we're talking about with this? Yeah, so the idea was bands that had, in our opinion, back-to-back albums that were simply awesome. And it doesn't have to be their first album, their second album. It could be their eighth and ninth, right? So, And it could be old bands, could be new bands. We didn't really come up with a lot of rules. The only thing we said is it's got to be back-to-back, and it can't be like compilations, and it can't be live. Besides that, go for it. That's right. 
So we're going to get into that and discuss ours. We got some interesting choices, I think, between both of us, but uh, we'll get into that. But you know what we got to do here. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so tonight's Crank It Up Spotlight. Hey, Hollywood, are you ready to get loud and nasty? Yeah, I'm here standing strong. This is Rob Nasty from Loud and Nasty, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Steve and Hollywood. Crank that shit up! All 
right, so that was a song from Loud and Nasty, which is a Swedish hard rock heavy metal band. Where else would they be from Sweden? Come on, isn't all hard rock and metal coming out of Sweden these days? <laughs> uh, yeah, Sweden, and uh, yeah, that's a, probably about it, yeah. Yeah, so these guys actually formed back in 98, and it sounds like maybe they uh, took a hiatus after a while. They put out a couple of records in the early 2000s. Band was formed by bass player Rob Nasty and guitar player Chris Loud. Hey, uh, do you think that's their uh, their real names? You think their parents actually named them Rob Nasty and Chris Loud? Yeah, I, I think so. But uh, I'll tell you that Rob Nasty has a great bass track at the beginning of that song. And what is it, Chris Loud? It got a great riff. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed the riff in this song. And, uh, you know, I'm guessing I'm going to take a wild guess here. And this is, listen, it's a crapshoot here, but stick with me. I'm guessing that the band name Loud and Nasty came because the guitar player and the bass player's last names are Loud and Nasty. What do you think? Uh, I think you're wrong as usual, but, you know, that never stopped you before. (laughs) I I think it has nothing to do with that. Uh, You think it's about the music then? That's right. All right. Fair enough. All right, so these guys uh, sort of started a new generation of glam sleaze scene back in the late 90s, and it looks like they just are going to release this song for now, maybe an album coming uh, at a later time. But, you know, if you enjoyed the song, the name of the band, again, is Loud and the letter N, Nasty. And the name of the song was uh, Stand Strong. There you go. All right, on with the show. On with the show, baby. So let's get into our back-to-back awesomeness. And I guess I'll kick this whole thing off. And the way I kind of came about my back-to-back albums is I wanted to do some classics that meant a lot to me when I was growing up, but I also wanted to spotlight some newer bands or some bands that maybe we just don't talk about a whole lot. Listen, I could talk about back-to-back albums for four days straight. When I started digging into this, I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of back-to-back albums that were so amazing. Just to name a few, right? Judas Priest, Screaming for Vengeance, and Defenders of the Faith. Those two records back-to-back, awesome. White Snake, Slide It In in 87, awesome. Ozzy's Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Awesome. For me, I really loved Out of the Cellar, but I also loved Invasion of Your Privacy, which I know you don't feel that strong about. I also know our friend over there at Rock and or Roll doesn't feel very strong about Invasion of Your Privacy, but to each his own. How about Def Leppard, High and Dry and Pyromania? Two completely different records, but two amazing records, and my entry point into Def Leppard. Loved it. But let me go with my first pick, and my first pick is a classic. I'm going to go with Iron Maiden Peace of Mind, back-to-back with Power Slave. Those two records for me were awesome. Loved every song on each one of those records. Never skipped a track. Loved it all from start to finish. And 
there's probably a lot of back-to-back albums in Iron Maiden's career that you could say, well, you know, what about this? What about the first Iron Maiden and Killers? For those that love Paul Diano, good choice. You know, so any way you look at it, that's a, a great combination of back-to-back albums, and mine happens to be Peace of Mind and Power Slave. My second choice, and we talked about this man a little bit earlier in the episode when I talked about the Dio hologram, and I'm not talking about Dio's Holy Diver and Last in Line, although I could absolutely mention that. Those are two classic records. I'm going to spotlight Black Sabbath's Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. These two records are what got me into Black Sabbath. I freaking love these two records. So many amazing songs to choose from. Why not let's listen to one now?
Yeah, for me, uh, your first two set of choices, like Peace of Mind, I would say my favorite song is probably Fly to Icarus. Power Slave, my favorite song is probably Aces High. Heaven in Hell, uh, most likely Neon Nights. And then Mob Rules, I'm going to pick Voodoo is probably my favorite. Great songs, all of them. Yeah, definitely. All right, so I kind of took a similar approach. Try to pick bands that we don't play a ton uh, I could have easily could have mentioned several choices from Soto or Kotzen or YNT or Hagar or Van Halen or Striper or Slaughter or Winger or the two XYZ albums. Like there's tons of stuff out there that back to back I love. But my first choice was Scorpion's Blackout and backing it up with Love at First Sting. So Blackout came out in 82. It was their eighth studio album. And, you know, my classic lineup for Scorpions is really Klaus, Matthias, Rudy, Francis, Herman. That's my classic lineup because I got into Scorpions at Love at First Sting and kind of went backwards a little bit. Now, you know, that album, Blackout's got Can't Live Without You, No One Like You, You Give Me All I Need Now, Dynamite. I mean, it's got some great songs. It closes with a ballad just like Love at First Sting does, uh, which sometimes drives some people nuts. But uh, no doubt that Blackout is a classic album. Love It First Sting, I got to tell you, is a desert island album for me. I have been through three or four tapes of this album. I'm sure I've talked about it before. And it wasn't just Rocky Like a Hurricane or Still Loving New or Big City Nights that was on MTV constantly. It had more to do with, you know, stuff like coming home and the same thrill and as soon as a good time roll and crossfire, like that drum beat and crossfires in my head forever. Uh, there was something about that album that got me. I didn't last long with Scorpions because I kind of got off the train after Savage Amusement and I never really got much farther than Blackout, maybe Love Drive, but that's about it. So there's a front end and a back end of the Scorpions that the front end I don't enjoy too much. The back end I probably don't know a lot. But definitely this bang zone was big for me. My second choice is a little newer, and that's the two Revolution Saints albums that have been released so far. So, you know, if you don't know anything about Revolution Saints, they released their self-titled album in 2015 and then backed it up with Light in the Dark in 2017. And this is a trio, Jack Blades, Dean Castronovo, Doug Aldrich. This is a Frontiers, Serafino, put-together supergroup. That first album... The trio didn't write much of it. Really, uh, Serafino already had Alessandro Del Vecchio write most of it, and Eric Martinson from Eclipse helped write some of it. So these three guys stepped in and basically did other people's music. On the second album, they were much more involved in the writing, uh, which I think made it almost a little heavier at times and then a little more journey. Like it was already... A little heavier journey, it became even more journey on the second album, which is fine for me, but both albums have a lot of ballads, and that's because Dean can sing the hell out of a ballad, but we won't pick a ballad. Check out this song from the first album.
Yeah, right on. So I absolutely love your choice of Revolution Saints. I think those two records are amazing. I even actually think I probably like the second album a little bit better than the first, but not by much. And yeah, they got a little bit of ballad stuff, but you're absolutely right. Dean can really sing that stuff. And it's just great stuff. I mean, it's two really solid rock records. Uh, and so when I saw this, I, I was like, yeah, I, I love that choice. Scorpions, one of my top 10 bands. So nothing can be said about that. Blackout, love it. Classic, love both those records. But Blackout really uh, holds a special place in my heart for sure. So on to my choices. Again, we could have talked about a million records. I keep throwing some of the other records that were in this uh, running. And this is by no means our top 10 or our top five. It's just some back-to-back album awesomeness, just like the title says. It's some albums that we think back-to-back were just kick-ass albums and we loved just about every track, if not every track on them. And so we've spotlighted some of these bands, some other ones, a newer band for me, The Treatment. Generation Me, the last album that they released before this latest one, Power Crazy, I think both those records back-to-back, Generation Me and Power Crazy, are kick-ass albums. Love both of those records. How about Skid Row? What about the self-titled and Slave to the Grind? Two great back-to-back records. Let's go a little old school. What about Sticks, Pieces of Eight, and Grand Illusion? Two killer records if you're a Sticks fan. ACDC, for me, ACDC, Highway to Hell and Back in Black. You got one Bon Scott. You got one Brian Johnson. You got two killer records. Even if maybe they're a little overplayed nowadays, that's two great back-to-back records if you're old school, you know? Tesla, Mechanical Resonance, and Great Radio Controversy. Love both of those records. And again, these don't have to be records where it's the first and the second record. They can be anywhere in the band's career. So one of the bands I wanted to spotlight is a band called Voodoo Circle. I've talked about them in the past, but they've got two records out, Whiskey Fingers and Raised on Rock. They've got more than two records out, but this is the back-to-back records I'm spotlighting. Whiskey Fingers, Raised on Rock. Two killer records from a band called Voodoo Circle. Voodoo Circle, German, hard rock, heavy metal band. They were formed somewhere around 2008, and they were formed by a guitarist named Alex, and I think it's pronounced Beirut, and he's currently the guitar player in Primal Fear. I never really got into Primal Fear, but he wanted a side project that was more along the lines of some of the stuff that he grew up liking, like White Snake, Deep Purple, Rainbow, that kind of stuff. And Voodoo Circle certainly is very White Snake-like. So I would encourage you to check out Voodoo Circle, Whiskey Fingers, and Raised on Rock. And then for another choice and another band that doesn't get a whole lot of exposure, probably a lot of people don't really know that much about them, is a band called South Gang. You may remember the song Tainted Angel that came off their first record back in, I think it was probably late to early 90s, late 80s to early 90s. I think it's probably early 90s when that came out. The guitar player and the guy that wrote a lot of this stuff is Butch Walker. Butch Walker has gone on to be a great producer. He produced and written a lot of songs from a lot of people. 
but we knew him when he lived here in Atlanta and his name was Brad. <laughs> so we knew Brad Walker when he uh, took his band Bite the Bullet out to Los Angeles and started playing on the Sunset Strip. They became South Gang. They put out Tainted Angel, did a whole bunch of co-writing with Desmond Child. Then they came back to Atlanta and they put together this album called Group Therapy. Group Therapy did absolutely nothing. They got dropped by the label. They went their separate ways. They became a bunch of other bands, uh, Marvelous Three, Floyd's Funk Revival, several other things along the way. But to me, Tainted Angel and Group Therapy are two really good hard rock, glam rock, rock and roll records, both solid records. So if you get a chance to check out either one of those records, Tainted Angel, Group Therapy, please do so. Here's a little something from one of those records. Like he was tempting 
Yeah, so for Voodoo Circle, I don't know actually either one of these bands that well. I know a little bit. So on Whiskey Fingers, I like Straight Shooter. And on Raised on Rock, I like Walk on the Line. And then on South Gang, the Tainted Angel, I think my favorite song is probably Russian Roulette, although I really like the song Tainted Angel. And on Group Therapy, probably Tug of War. Yeah, Tug of War, definitely my favorite song on that record. And, uh, I, you know, we're, we're in sync because I love Russian Roulette as well. I'm Tainted Angel. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So our Grown Ups of the Week, these are the folks that shared us on Facebook, retweeted us on Twitter, possibly recently liked our Facebook page, which I think is now at like 1160, so, which is great. Big list this time, and uh, we'll talk about why in a minute because, well, why talk about it in a minute? The Y&T episode did very well. Let's just put it out there. So here's the folks that shared us. Terrence Davis, Scott Leifer, Eddie the Rocker, Veronica of Divide, Jeff's Hunton, Ribbon Bear, Peter Stoss, Shouted Out Loudcast, Music Palace Radio, Gregory Joseph Tanser, my brother shared it, Danny, thank you, Targus the Great, Stefan Rosquist, Bill Elam, Nuda on Twitter, Tom Gelati, sorry about that, Tom, that I've been getting your last name wrong, but you got like eight G's, 12 I's, and six T's in it, but it's my bad. Tommy Gelato. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So I got it right that time, Gelati. Um, Cuervo Ruggiero, Zeus, Deep Holler Earth, Daryl Albert, Chris Fretwell, Gusa, Rick Friel, Rob B., The Metal Ninja, Anxiety Descending, Tammy Greenwood, Lady Lake PR, Chris James A., Nicole Beard, The Canvas Guru, Serafina, Kelly Sanders, BR on Twitter, Brad Rustovan, Ogata, Andy LaFon, Jason Kearney, Dan Nation, Eladio, Girly Girl, Bellalos 1966, Mark Arnold, Robert Matos, Mike King, Bill Algie, Rock Doc Wayne, Lee Russell, Alan Tate, Perrier Unholy, 80s Musician KB, I Love It Loudcast, Tony D, Steve Wright, Nico Van Del Dresch, Jay Sabluski, John Scott Young, Deuce, Rick Shilton, Rockin' Forever One, Michael Gopert, Spirit on 1776, Danny Broussard, Marcel de Souza Cantino. That one's a rough one. Uh, 80s mixtape auto reverse. David Zanet. Cobras and Fire podcast. Stanley Lives for You. Mighty Potter. K Nuevo Media. Kalen Provo. David Hudson. Larissa Rockfan. Uh, Lucas Hannon. Mr. Shortstop. Vaughn Oliveria. Kurz 1967. Loud Shin. David Cathy. Rhett Perkins. The Johnny Concar. Carrie Morgan. W2 Ply the Golfie. Uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, Doug Metal, Sergio Rengifo, Potter Than Hell Podcast, Ages of Rock Podcast, Lordy, Valmir, Cavalier, Jeff Reed, My Final Day 666, Tony James, Ana Maria, Mario Laceo, Piyoko Dictator, Jared Frank, Steve Gonzalez, Gods of Rock Radio, Daniela Carr, Rock You Forever Photos, Digital Kill the Radio Star, Darren Hook, Save Rock and Metal, Loco, Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah, Dennis Rodman is a little loco. Uh, Tony Masalam, Mark Winder 8, Trace Mess 469, James Rittenhouse, Derek Bird, Fish Marley, Jade Alicia, Metal Imperial, Pods and Saws Network, Peter Cessary, 
Todd Herrigs, Chris Sinzak, Scott Wallace, Broadcast Asylum, DJ Musicologist, Restrain shared us, Blabbermouth shared us, Jeff Watson shared us, YNT shared us, Jill Manichetti shared us, Dave Manichetti shared us. So that was pretty cool. God dang, are you done? <laughs> yes. And I reached out to Jeff Watson, and Jeff, if you are listening, we want to interview you. Jeff Watson, Mr. Eight Finger Taff himself. That's right. That's awesome. Yes, please come on our show. Let's talk to you. Anyway, there is a ton of people, as Sonny just pointed out, that we have to thank for this last Y&T episode. We're so thankful that many of you guys enjoyed that. We're so thankful for the Manichettis that uh, helped us out and did that. It was great. They're class act all the way, both Jill and Dave. You guys are awesome, and we will see you in February on Monsters of Rock 10. So that's very cool. But listen, there's some other people that I want to thank. There's some reviews that I want to read. First of all, a lot of people have been asking me, how can we help the podcast? Well, it don't cost nothing to share us. It's great that you guys like episodes or like posts, but if you like it, share it. If you're going to click the like button, then click the share button because that's how we get the name out there by you guys sharing. And it costs you absolutely nothing. And it doesn't even cost you more than a minute or two of your time, if that, more like 15 seconds. But if you guys want to help us in other ways, you can leave a review at iTunes, at wherever you get your podcasts. You can leave reviews at Podchaser. You can go on the website, growinguprock.com, and you can make comments in the comments section. We see all of that stuff. And if you go to growinguprock.com, G-R-O-W-U-P-R-O-C-K.com, and scroll down a little bit on the front page, there's a donation button there. You don't got to buy us a beer. Neither me nor Sonny drink beer, but once in a while I've been known to have a glass of red wine, so if it makes you feel better, you're buying me a glass of red wine. But really, what we're doing is taking any of the donations you guys give us and throw it right back into the show for hosting fees and website fees and stuff that cost us money to get Grown Up Rock out there to the masses. So feel free to donate whatever you feel like donating, whatever we've entertained you with, that would be great and we would appreciate that. A couple of people this past week that have donated, I wanted to point out a very special thank you to our friend over at Digital Killed the Radio Star, Mr. David Hudson, and he also has another podcast called The State of America, which is a Black Crows podcast. I hope I got all that right. And then our friend Todd, and Todd, forgive me because I'm just as bad, if not worse than Sonny with names, but I think it's pronounced Herrig, H-A-R-I-G, Herrig. So Todd and Huddy, you guys both donated. We appreciate it. Hopefully you got a little special something in the mail. And yeah, just want to thank you. A couple of the reviews. So this one comes to us from Rami888 via iTunes. And it's entitled Great Hard Rock and Metal Coverage. Glad I found these guys and now a weekly listener here in Australia. Covers all the classic rock bands I grew up with from the crew to Saxon, most discovered back in the day from the imported rock magazines. This guy sounds like me. 
The hosts are good folks, spend time with and having great knowledge and pleasing amounts of diversity. Also appreciate the time spent on current bands to keep it fresh. Good job, Stephen and Hollywood, two defenders of the faith. And then in parentheses, he's got gratuitous priest reference at no extra charge. That's an awesome review. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that there, uh, Rami888. Very cool of you. This one comes to us from Deluxe Legend via Apple iTunes. Essential Rock Podcast, five stars. I subscribed to this podcast after the crossover with our friends over there at Cobras and Fire. Description for each episode is awesome. I checked out Battle Beast after one of your episodes. You made a three-hour podcast about rock crews entertaining. This is a must for people who respect real rock. Yeah, sorry about that three-hour episode, but I'm glad it was entertaining to you. (laughs) And go Battle Beast, baby. (laughs) So let's see. You know, I just want to point out all these things to people. There's a gentleman named Bill Childs that shared some very cool old-school Y&T pictures when he met Y&T backstage at Lemoore in... 1985, I think it was, 1985 at uh, the famous Lemoore in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, He had some pictures that he shared with me, super old, of Dave and Phil Kenimore uh, with him when he was a kid. So I thought that was very cool. I appreciate that. Bill and sharing that kind of stuff is always cool. That's what this show is all about. Bill Baldwin, gentlemen, I cannot express my sincere gratitude enough for this amazing interview with Dave Menachetti. He's a great conversationalist, and the direction you went in this interview lent itself perfectly to that. This interview was a long-form introspective with one of my heroes, and I couldn't have asked for more. Kudos to you guys. Thanks a lot for doing this. Very cool. What else we got? I got to read the one about Sonny. Uh, this one's good. Great interview. One of the best I've ever heard with Dave. Who's next? Maybe Eddie Van Halen. Congrats on 100 episodes. Serial Man 78. If you can make the Eddie Van Halen thing happen, we will make it happen on our end because that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Think, good luck with that. Yeah. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but that would be completely awesome. But then who would have thought that we would have been able to uh, interview Dave? So that was cool, too as well i'm trying to find this one in here i'm not very uh i'm not very organized but oh here we go this one's for you so neil tripton says outstanding interview was sunny just excited or did you speed up his audio track you can tell he was uber excited congrats on 100 and here's to 100 more (laughs) we did not speed up his audio track but he was excited (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to talk faster when I'm excited. <laughs> anyway, guys, we appreciate each and every one of you guys. You guys make it fun. We have a ball on our own, but you guys definitely make it fun when you interact with us. So continue to do so, and we'll continue to keep trying to play kick-ass rock and roll music and entertain you with our idiot remarks that we make. Oh, yeah, that's fair, right? <laughs> fair enough. All right. So let's go to my third and fourth choice. So for my third choice, I had to go with the Bay Area Brothers. Second studio album was Midnight Madness by Night Ranger, baby. 
And this album was huge. If you remember it, Sister Christian's on this album. When You Close Your Eyes is on this album. And this is a classic lineup for me. It's got Jack Blades, Alan Fitzgerald, Gillis, Kiki, Watson. Like, that's my Night Ranger that I grew up with. I love the Night Ranger that is now, too. That doesn't take anything away from them. Midnight Madness is front to back an amazing album. Uh, There is not a bad song on that, and uh, you should really check it out. And then they back it up with Seven Wishes. And Midnight Madness have gone to number 15 on the Billboard charts, even though Sister Christian went to number five on the Billboard charts. Seven Wishes got to number 10, and it was their highest ever. Both were platinum records. Seven Wishes had Sentimental Street, Four in the Morning, Goodbye, which were all top 20 hits. It also had Interstate Love Affair, which was from the movie Teachers. And one thing about Seven Wishes is the songs are a little more almost power pop rock. It's like Survivor a little harder probably. And almost any of the songs would have fit on movie soundtracks, honestly. Uh, But it's a great set of songs, and it put them all over the radio, especially in California. I mean, they were on Top 40 radio. They were on rock radio. I I can just hear for some reason – like Steve Perry's Oh Sherry playing over and over and Sister Christian When You Close Your Eyes like playing over and over and over on radio on both sides. So they were hitting all charts and I saw them live all the time and they're obviously awesome. But uh, check out this uh, nugget from Midnight Madness. We don't really hear this one too much.
All right, in my fourth choice, we don't talk about Bon Jovi enough, but you got to admit that Slippery When Wet and New Jersey are back-to-back gargantuan albums. After Slippery When Wet sold 10 million copies, I guess New Jersey was a disappointment at 7 million copies. And between the two, they had tons of number one hits all over rock radio. Bon Jovi owned the world from 86 to about 90. And uh, the songs are amazing and they're well-written and I get it. It's Bon Jovi and we're a guitar-driven you know, rock podcast, blah, 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 and Bon Jovi might be considered soft. But I'll tell you, uh, Richie's not soft. And they got a little country on the New Jersey album a little bit. There were some songs that you could tell they're wanting to go in a different route. Uh, but songs like Blood on Blood, I mean, are amazing tunes that never got enough airplay because, you know, Born to Be My Baby, Bad Medicine, those were getting all the airplay, but uh, they're two great albums. So what do you think about those two? Well, for Night Ranger, first of all, I love both those those bands. I love the old school Bon Jovi, obviously. So Slippery When Wet, New Jersey, definitely Bang Zone. I even like 7,800 Degrees in the first Bon Jovi as well. Night Ranger, for me, would have been Dawn Patrol and Midnight Madness. Those would have been my ideal back-to-back. I like Seven Wishes, don't get me wrong, but I really love Dawn Patrol and Midnight Madness. And I was there... I came in on Dawn Patrol, so I came in on the first single. That's where I my entry point for Night Ranger was at the beginning. But I love Dawn Patrol, love Midnight Madness, love the current lineup, love the current records that Night Ranger is doing. But Jeff Watson, if you're out there listening, would love to talk to you because definitely you were my classic lineup, part of my classic lineup. So come on the show. All right time for me to make my final choice right that is correct well wait let's make sure huddy's sitting down all right huddy sit down because you're gonna huddy, w- sit down you're gonna want to sit down for this one your name's all over this us at least uh 25 dollars for as many times we've mentioned your name in this episode but anyway uh here's the deal so i think i've had a little bit of everything on my choices tonight i've had the classics from maiden in black sabbath I've had some really newer or, let's say, unheard of stuff where it comes to Voodoo Circle and South Gang. And now I'm going to throw a complete curveball. But these two records back-to-back were absolutely classic rock and roll records and really good shit. There's some great songwriting on these two records. And I'm talking about the Black Crows, Shake Your Money Maker and Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. These two records, although probably not hard rock, definitely not metal, 150% rock and roll. And these two records are awesome. If you don't know, or you've been sleeping under a rock when these two records came out, or you're just young and just getting into our show, go check out The Black Crows. Shake Your Money Maker, Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. There's some great music on those two records. And I got to throw a little love to the Atlanta hometown boys. So that's my last choice of the night. And again, not top 10, not top five in any way, shape or form. Just some back-to-back awesomeness that I think was fair to spotlight. (laughs) 
Yeah, I love those two records. Shake Your Moneymaker, again, one of my Desert Island albums. Jealous Again is probably my favorite song on that. And on Southern Harmony, I would say it's probably No Speak, No Slave. Uh, but they're two great records. And, you know, it's bluesy. And uh, it's rock. It's not metal, but it's rock. Oh, 100% rock and roll, for sure. All right, so before I go to my final choice, again, I could have went Pretty Maids, Future World, Jump the Gun. I could have done the first two Mr. Big albums. I could have done the first two LA Guns albums, the first two Extreme albums, the first two Hailstorm albums. I could have went to Great White once bitten and then go to Twice Shy. I love the two Dokken albums. We've talked about that tons, Under Lock and Key, Back for the Attack. I'm a huge Buck Cherry fan. Sorry, Cobras and Fire. I know you're not but I could have went with 15 and then Black Butterfly. So there's tons of choices. There's no doubt. And uh, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball because I think there's going to be people surprised that I really love Wasp, right? And because, you know, Blackie's voice isn't normally my bang zone, but there's something about the melodies uh, about Wasp music that really gets me going. And so I'm going to choose uh, the first album, the uh, self-titled Wasp album, and then Last Command. So the first album, my favorite song is probably Love Machine on that album, but it's got I Want to Be Somebody, School Days. I'm not exactly sure why there's a B-A-D and a L-O-V-E machine. I guess Blackie doesn't think we can spell, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> they like their acronyms. Yeah, I guess, right? And the album's just so raw. And at this point, it's Blackie, it's Chris Holmes, Randy Piper, and Tony Richards. Then they get The Last Command, which gets released in 85, about what, uh, about 14 months later. And now Tony's gone, but Steve Riley's in. Metal Health, Spencer Profer, the producer, was just coming off Metal Health success. So what's interesting is Cavazzo and Chuck Wright, which technically Chuck Wright wasn't in the Metal Health album cycle, but it's interesting that two Quiet Riot guys come with Spencer to do some backing vocals on the album, but stuff like Wild Child and Ball Crusher and Fistful of Diamonds and Blind in Texas, like, what do you mean you ain't got no more liquor? Like, I was hooked when I saw, when I heard that on the video. Jack Action. Uh, on MTV. I uh, know that was on uh, Blind in Texas. Remember? That's when he's talking. What do you mean you ain't got no more liquor? What am I supposed to do? Get on a horse and ride all the way back to LA? No, I said Jack Action. I love Jack Action. That's oh, the oh, song, okay. Jack Action. We're, oh, oh, you're talking about a song. I didn't know what the hell you're talking about. Just kidding. Uh, anyway, <laughs> both albums got great vocal melodies. And what's interesting is, you know, the whole what does Wasp stand for? Like, Blackie's never really copped to what it stands for. And there's been a lot of, you know, talk about it could be pretty ugly, but, uh, you know, it could also be. Uh, Warped Association Seeks Pansy. What about We Are Serial Pirates? It could be Why Appoint Sick Politicians. Or perhaps Wesley and Simon Peters. Maybe it's Washington Apples Smell Pure. We Are Selling Pigs. (laughs) What about Wild and Sick People? How about Wild Appetizing Salmon Pancakes? (laughs) How about We Are Serious Protestants? How about waggle around sex, please? (laughs) Um, I can do that. Let's go with sex drive.
<laughs> All righty then. Give us your best wasp acronyms. <laughs> I love the wild appetizing salmon pancakes. That that Blackie would probably say, "Yeah, that's it." Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, hell, that puts about a capper on this. Like we said, there's billions and billions of uh, uh, back-to-back awesomeness. Maybe we'll do another episode in the future with back-to-back awesomeness or share some of your back-to-back favorites. Like we said, they don't need to be the first two. Just some kick-ass albums that were released back-to-back that you enjoy quite a bit. There's some of ours. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right, so for the historic moment, now that Tipper Gores fell off her chair because we played Sex Drive by Wasp, we are going to go with Paul Stanley. So he released this this album in 1978, one of those Kiss solo albums, which one of my fave albums of all time, and I think it's the best of solo albums. People disagree that it's ace. But 28 years later, he comes back in 2006 with an album called Live to Win. And it went to 53 on the Billboard 200. There's 10 songs on it. He had a bunch of help with a bunch of co-writers, including Desmond Child, Marty Fredrickson. Um, had guest musicians, John Fye, Bruce Kulick, host others. Uh, there's songs like Live to Win, Lift, Wake Up Screaming, Every Time I See You Around. It's very similar to his... 78 solo album in which it sounds really nothing like Kiss, except for it's a recognizable voice. But the song I want to play is actually written by Paul and this guy named Andres Carlson. And Carlson is a big writer in the pop world. He wrote I Want It That Way by Backstreet Boys, Bye 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 by NSYNC. So he writes a bunch of stuff for the boy bands, writes a bunch of stuff for Katy Perry and those kind of bands. But uh, this is a killer, killer song. Check out Bulletproof. Some people say love comes once in a lifetime. Some people say it's behind every door. Saw your eyes and I knew for the first time No more playing my emotions No more aiming at my heart You make me bulletproof That's what you do I feel invincible when I am next to you You got the arrows passing up my skin I love to love you for the time I'm gonna win You make No
I know absolutely nothing of this record. Are you kidding me, dude? Come on. <laughs> Sorry, dude. How is that possible? What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of it. I've heard of Live to Win, probably basically because I've been hanging around you guys. But yeah, I mean, I'm not a Paul Stanley solo person, or uh, although I have heard Gene Simmons' asshole. Okay, that's that's a totally different topic. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong, dude, in so many damn ways. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, I guess, uh, is it worth seeking out, that record, Live to Win? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. I, I think it's a great back-to-back record. You know, not everybody liked Live to Win because they wanted a new Kiss record, and this was happening you know, while Ace and Peter are long gone by this time, they've already released Sonic Boom and, uh, you know, Paul wanted to go do this solo tour and we saw the solo tour and it was awesome. Um, but you know, people want a kiss record. They don't want Paul, uh, power pop and some of it's kind of that way, but, uh, it's written really well and he's got some great musicians on it. So it's no doubt it's worth checking out. Fair enough. All right. This is going to be a pretty lengthy, uh, episode, but it's been fun. I can't wait to hear everybody else's response, hear some of their uh, classic back-to-backs. Don't you dare write in and say we missed. We missed a whole bunch of shit because there's tons of it. So just tell us what you like, and we'll start from there. Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic, and Rocks. That's another back-to-back that I love. Anyway, I digress. It's time to shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Do you want to say anything before I uh, push this button here, uh, Hollywood? Yeah, thank you for all the support, and we will see you later. See ya! Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. They don't.
don't act funny On the way to the yacht, we almost got caught Fast shooting mailbox, going where the cops is, yeah He asked for Dunkin' Donuts, adjacent from the phone Which was mailbox fast that just exploded They gave chase from our man Steve's and Ace And we lost those brothers with haste We cast it off and along we went off from you to do an island resort we rented. Need you cool. Are you cool? Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.